You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Rodman Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Forefront, and I am thrilled to be able to share with you during our Coming Home series. I'm not sure if anyone has actually noticed or not, but there are 60-degree temperature nights and mornings. not sure if you noticed. I'm not sure if you also noticed that it's getting darker earlier. And this Labor Day weekend, tis true, this is marking the unofficial end of summer. <laughs> School is back in session for some of us. Started last week, adjuncting. And this is truly a new season. Seems like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed sharing stories about your back to school memories. My memory is waiting for the UPS truck to come. (laughs) Now, I went school shopping, but I only went school shopping for supplies, for a new lunchbox, for notebooks. But the most exciting thing for me about going back to school was that UPS truck that actually had our school uniforms in it. Okay, I didn't, I wasn't upset that I didn't go school shopping for clothes because I love my little school uniform and I love the jumper and I love school. So it was a real joy and treat for me when I would get that package with my uniform. So yeah, this is a time when the seasons are changing, when we need to readjust and re-examine things. For me, this current season is very different from previous seasons. Maybe some of you can relate. These experiences that I am confronted with are new and somewhat daunting. And with everything that I encounter, I am attempting to draw meaning from it. I am attempting to ground myself and understand what God is trying to speak to me and share with me with each and every encounter. Now, this is very important that I stay grounded because no day of mine is the same. As much as I want to establish a routine, every day I'm confronted with something different because of this particular season that I'm in. And as I adjust and try to make sense of things, I am focused on the simple gospel, on attempting to find God for myself during this time and during every season. And I hope that as I share today's message, you will consider your own lives and your own seasons that you are confronted with. 
and that you will, will look for meaning and what God is trying to share with you. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes speaks about life and the meaning of life. Something that Solomon wrote this particular book, this book of poetic wisdom, some things, it could be someone else, but they wrote about seasons, seasons of life. And Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter or every purpose under heaven. Essentially, there's a fitting time for everything. When you have an opportunity, read through, if you're not familiar with it, the entire chapter. It's quite beautiful. But it goes on to talk about a number of things that it is time for. A time to die, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. For everything, there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And sometimes things happen and it doesn't feel like the most opportune time for it to happen. And we may struggle to actually find the good news, to actually find God for ourselves in whatever we're experiencing. Can you relate? So I'm encountering two very interesting seasons at this point in my life. On July 29th, a little over a month ago, my mother became a client of hospice care services. So she's now in, officially in hospice. And there's another season that I'm personally going through. It started some months back. I started seeing signs, but I became officially in this season on Wednesday, when I officially entered menopause. <laughs> Come on, you can give it up for me. Okay. <laughs> so these two seasons mark the end. <laughs> With hospice care, it's the end of life. It signals the end of life. And with menopause, Given all the symptoms, some would actually think it's the end of life, but it's not. <laughs> but what happens during this and during the season of menopause and hospice is it seems like a lot is happening with the body. There are a lot of things happening that we don't necessarily have control over. And as it relates to these two seasons, when it comes to menopause, there are a lot of jokes. And when it comes to hospice care, there's a lot of silence. And we are afraid and fearful and uncomfortable about talking about either one of these seasons. There's so much silence, there's so much shame, and I'm hoping that as a result of this sermon today, we would be more open and more inclined to have these important conversations with our families, with our friends. When I met with the first hospice nurse, as we were signing all the papers, 
She began to talk to me about how important it is for families to talk about end of life. She actually told me something really interesting. She said, people in the Midwest are more open to having these conversations. I don't know what the research is. But she said that people in the Northeast are not as progressive as people in the Midwest. Where's Reverend Josh? As it relates to end of life care. All right, and I found that to be very interesting, and she didn't really go into details as of why, and maybe you can you know, think about your own conclusions with this, but I found it very interesting as someone who's from the Northeast. But these two words, hospice, menopause, have caused so many people to lose hope. They've caused so many people to Shut down listening to what God is trying to say even in these seasons that may be challenging. It's no wonder though, particularly as it relates to menopause that I'll start talking about first, if you look at what people are going through and if you don't see a positive side, then you could really struggle for the seven or nine years or more that people are actually said to have menopause. So let's talk about it. They, what happens is you stop having your period. Your menses pause, they stop. But the reason that you actually know that you're in menopause is because you do not have your period for a full 12 months. So my last period was actually August 31st, 2021. And <laughs> I know, right? They're like, wow, you are really getting to Benita's life today. And it is okay. So what happens is then your estrogen <laughs> starts to decrease, right? And there are a host of things that come with that. Now, be clear, every body is different, and not everyone experiences the same symptoms. But potentially, people could be sleep-deprived. They could uh, experience issues with vaginal health. They could have mood changes, their body changes. They go through memory problems and a host of other aches and pains. This is what happens with menopause for some people. Now, what I didn't know when I was studying is that there are some individuals that go through this type of experience that we don't talk a lot about. There's something called andropause, male pause. And actually, men, male individuals can go through some of the same symptoms as menopause. Quite interesting, right? Just a show of hands. How many people have ever heard of menopause, male pause, andropause? I found out about it when I was studying. <laughs> so anyway, we're really quiet right now. But anyway, <laughs> signs and symptoms suggest low testosterone, reduced sexual desire and activity, and a host of other things that are very similar right, S being sleep deprived, um, uh, gaining weight, there are a host of different things that happen. Now, there was a certain individual in the green room whose name I will not disclose of the male persuasion that actually said that they were having a hot flash, which is one of the major signs of menopause and andropause, male pause, okay? <laughs> but let's be clear, 
these hormonal changes can also impact the trans and non-binary communities as well. Their bodies sometimes experience menopause symptoms if they're taking hormonal treatments. And this relates to the abortion topic and how not having access will make it all the more difficult for trans folk to live into their full identity. And they may feel at war with their bodies. And there are certainly things that we can do to mitigate some of these symptoms, like minimizing processed foods and working out and um, you know, eating healthy and all that good stuff. But this is a challenging time nonetheless. There was a writer for the Atlantic um, magazine for the Atlantic that was speaking on NPR this week and she was talking about cultural icon Serena Williams. And she said in one instance, Serena did not apologize for her curvaceous body or the power she exhibited. The writer went on to say, she's probably realizing that her body is starting to betray her a little. And I thought this was interesting because this was someone else actually talking about Serena and I've been listening to quite a number of interviews with Serena and I didn't hear her actually frame it in that way. Very interesting. Betrayal of the body. Maybe this writer would say the same of menopause. Maybe this writer would say the same of hospice care, end of life care. She would probably say my body was betraying me this past week as I was having the biggest hot flash ever. Now, I was thinking that I could like ward them off, all right, because I'd just been living my life, having a good time, and I was in perimenopause, that's the season before menopause, and I had some hot flashes, but they weren't like severe or anything, and my doctors are like, okay, you're 56, you still haven't had menopause, what is happening with your body? Really interesting, like you're a real late bloomer. I'm like, that's okay, so will I get hot flashes? And my doctor said, not everyone gets them, and I'm like, oh great, I'm not gonna get them. So anyway, I'm standing out there, having some orientation, and I'm talking to a couple colleagues. Now it's actually warm outside. So what, what happens is I start feeling it. It's coming up my back. It's coming up my neck. My face, <laughs> the sweat is popping off my face as I'm talking to my colleagues. I'm trying to play it off. <laughs> I'm trying to play it off, and I'm trying to talk to them like nothing's happening, and I was about to wipe my face, and I'm like, Benita, don't wipe your face. You will talk to them, and you will let the sweat come down. And I, one of my colleagues afterwards who saw it happening, we worked very closely together, she said, I have worked with you for five years, and I've never seen you sweat, not once. <laughs> and she was like, this made up for all the five years. <laughs> So there was actually a commercial, it was a deodorant commercial, never let them see you sweat. Well, trust me, they saw me sweat that day, okay? So I'm happy to hear, though, that there are scientists, I heard it on NPR, we're dropping these links in the chat. I'm happy to hear that scientists are studying sweat. They're studying this sweat-sensing technology, and they found that sweat actually tells us a lot about our bodies, and it can tell us um, so much, and we are underappreciating and undervaluing the sweat, right? And they talked about the fluid that is lost and how this could potentially help elite athletes and worker safety and things of that nature. So then, as I was preparing the sermon, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, we're finding God for ourselves in every season of sweat, amen? <laughs> so as it relates to hospice and my mom's body, as she continues to decline, I feel that healthcare professionals were actually 
betraying her, betraying her body. Because even though she had a particular prognosis, which wasn't great, no one recommended hospice care. And I thought it was the strangest thing because given the fact that the specialists at Columbia said she has, may have X number of months, we're not sure, then why weren't we given that resource, right? And why weren't we given that recommendation? And God had to help me work through this to be able to advocate, to be able to have these conversations, to do my own research, to educate myself. And once I began to educate myself and so much became enlightened to me, then I realized she needs to go into hospice. This is her season, but I'm a lay person, I'm not a medical professional, and I felt really uncomfortable making this call. And then I was feeling enraged that a medical professional didn't support me in this. So, got my PCP, primary care, on the phone, which is also my parents, and said, hey, along with my sister, she needs this. We feel that this is her season. So after quite a bit of back and forth, she is now in hospice care. And I thank God because had I not really just surrendered and committed this to God, it might be a situation where she would not be getting all the resources that she could at this stage of her life. See, I couldn't listen to anyone when I tell you I needed to find God for myself in this season. I am telling you the truth. I couldn't listen to one of her doctors who actually said, oh my gosh, you're going to put her in hospice? They're going to take away her meds and she will die in two days. I told you this was July 29th, and I'm not making this up. I couldn't look to her primary care, who we've been with for a number of years, who knew everything that she was going through, who knew what the, uh, the specialist said, but refused to tell us about hospice. And church, she is actually the medical director for the hospice team. Okay? Finding God for myself. And I had to hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand, I had to hold to her hand. God's unchanging hand, I had to build my hopes on things eternal. I had to hold to God's unchanging hand. And I continue to convey to every person who comes to that door, delivery people, social workers, chaplains, hospice nurses, everyone who comes through the door, that what you see is more than just an illness. What you see is more than just someone who is an end of life care. This is a mother, this is a grandmother. She's still a big sister because her little brother's 90, she's 92. <laughs> she is a nurse, a jokester, a dancer, and she is still a value because even in her state, she still prays with us, she still encourages us, she still supports us in everything we do. And I want to be clear that while it is end of life per se, I could still find the beauty in connecting with my mother and valuing who she is. 
So then maybe I had to think about what this coming home was all about. Maybe finding God for ourselves in every season is bending with the rhythm and guiding winds each season brings so that you don't break down. Maybe finding God for ourselves in every season is allowing ourselves to come back home to church where we can be supported, where we can have conversations, where we can get a hug, where we can connect with a small group about a topic maybe we've wrestled with. Maybe you are continuing to deconstruct and reconstruct your faith and you would consider, as Mac talked about, the Evolving Faith Podcast small group. We're coming home to the loving arms of God no matter what we are struggling with, no matter what we are going through. And maybe, maybe finding God for yourself in every season is talking to yourself at times and saying, like the psalmist, and this is when you're down in the dumps, this is when you're having a pity party, this is when you're struggling and you feel like there's no hope, Maybe you can say like the psalmist in Psalm 42 and 11, why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise God again, my Savior and my God. Maybe finding God for yourself in every season is believing that we've been made in her image and our body is not betraying us, but our body is the temple of the living God. Amen. Maybe finding God in every season is accepting our bodies as a gift and, again, not betrayal. Seasons come and seasons go, yet the promises of God are constant. They are yes and amen. And I believe that the seasons we encounter should always lead us home to the safety of God, to a space where we are reminded of how important it is to embrace the love and the good news of Jesus Christ for ourselves, not in an individualistic type of way, but in a way where we are not influenced by anyone or anything. When it comes to hospice and, and menopause, I mean, you have to really ground yourself because you could easily be influenced by the negativity that the world is giving. We don't hear good things about these stages of life. However, God is still trying to speak to us and still trying to talk to us, as Angela and Brett just sang. And we just need to listen. Coming home is a space where Jesus is the center of our joy and the source of our strength. A space where we can experience God in community and then for ourselves as well. It should be a space where we can say many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. The poet of Ecclesiastes sums up his thoughts this way. So I conclude that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Just like the weather is changing and shifting, so am I with menopause, so is my mom with end-of-life care. And I thank God for both of these seasons because God is empowering me in a way that God never has, I feel, before. I'm open to it more now, right? 
to be able to advocate, to be able to care for, to be able to reframe some of the negative connotation with these seasons, I feel super empowered. And what I have been led to do is to journal and to write and to record the conversations that I'm having with my mother. We started on her memoir some years ago and we do have some, um, some files. However, this is a new season and I'm learning and growing so much in this season. And I wrote a poem over the course of the past couple of months. And I will tell you it came from the Holy Spirit who continues to help me adjust my life with these changing times. Now it came at a very interesting time. I had to release my rigidity and refusal to bend. And that could be very, very painful when you're still trying to operate with a particular routine and because you're a caregiver, you need to shift and adjust. And if you continue to resist, it can be painful. So I wrote this poem once I let go of the rigidity and once I released everything and gave it to God. And I've been refreshed through creativity and through Jesus's loving kindness, which is better than life. And this is good news, my friend. And I will end with this poem that I wrote. And it's called, Will You? And it's a daughter's tribute to mom. Will you step to her rhythm and move to her flow? Will you simply sit and wait when she resists with a no? Will you gently satisfy her palate with delectable cuisine? Will you be content with her sleeping late since, after all, she is the queen? Will you open your heart and listen when her words try to connect? Will you treasure the funny expressions which help us all to forget? Will you cherish the moments she refers to you as cousin or the girl? Will you prioritize her needs as being the most important thing in the world? Will you feel comfortable in the shower together, fully bare? Will you take the time to bathe her and moisture her with care? Will you squeeze her neck and receive her earnest words to God? Will you sit next to her as she naps, long or short nods? Will you be her audience as she sings with the angels in her head? Will you exercise patience when she doesn't feel like going to bed? Will you comply when she orders you to sit down? Will you add more honey to her tea when she gives you that frown? Will you roll her outside to soak in the bright sunshine at the beach? Will you admire her extending hellos to the children and smiling at each? Will you adjust your voice to a whisper when she tells you you are too loud? Will you celebrate her achievement and always be proud? The answer to each question is an exuberant yes. I will, amen while she is in her final stage of life i resolve to love her still and the people of god said <laughs>
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.